Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at a conference message given by Dallin H. Oaks. At the time he gave this message, he was first counselor in the first presidency. It was titled Kingdoms of Glory. And in this talk, he is defining the hereafter according to the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, emphasizing the fact that there are actually three levels of glory And depending on what an individual did during his mortality will determine which glory they will end up in in the next life. We're now looking to where he's going to say, God's plan is founded on eternal truth. God's plan, founded on eternal truth, requires that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the holy temple which marriage will ultimately be available to all the faithful. That is why we teach that gender is an essential characteristic of individual, premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. Now, when he says God's plan founded on eternal truth requires that exaltation could be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the Holy Temple, that's really only part of it, though, isn't it? It's not just that you have to be married for time and eternity in a temple with a person of the opposite sex. There's plenty of other things that you must do as well. So if a Latter-day Saint was to assume that he's merely pointing to celestial marriage as it's understood today, and I say that purposely because celestial marriage as it was understood during the time of Brigham Young meant something very different than how it's understood today. When Brigham Young used the term celestial marriage, it was referring to plural marriage. Section 132 in the Doctrine and Covenants was speaking of plural marriage. Now, they've had to change that definition over the years because plural marriage is not allowed in the United States any longer. And if you are caught practicing plural marriage, in other words, having more than one living wife at a time, you will be excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, Eric, when we were going through this, you pointed out that there was a mention by Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the church, earlier in this edition of the Leahona magazine, which is the November 2023 edition. And it was also a a statement that was made in this same general conference. In fact, uh, this is in the opening conference day, Saturday morning, and in two talks earlier, D. Todd Christofferson, who is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, gave a talk called The Sealing Power, and the subtitle to his talk is The Sealing Power Makes Individual Salvation and Family Exaltation Universally Available to the Children of God. A very similar thing to what we've been seeing Oaks talk about two talks later, but on page 21 of the November 2023 Liahona magazine, he cites from Russell M. Nelson. This is what was said on page 21. 
In the funeral services for Sister Pat Holland, wife of Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, last July, that would be July 2023, President Russell M. Nelson taught, quote, In time, Patricia, that's Holland's wife, and Jeffrey will be reunited. They will later be joined by their children and their covenant-keeping posterity to experience the fullness of joy that God has in store for his faithful children. Knowing that, we understand that the most important date in Patricia's life was not her birth date or her death date. Her most important date was June 7, 1963, when she and Jeff were sealed in the St. George Temple. Why is this so important? Because the very reason the earth was created was so families could be formed and sealed to each other. Salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. No one can be exalted alone. And I want to point out, Bill, this conference had a number of mentions to marriage, celestial marriage. Here's one, Christopherson citing from Russell M. Nelson, but I think this is important to note because Nelson has been the prophet who has named more buildings of temples than any other previous prophet. He's named over 150, and the church only has about 170 as we speak here in 2023. So the idea of these temples being so important, why are they so important? Well, the most important thing you can do is go and be sealed. And if you're not having the members think highly enough of the temple to go do that, these temples aren't going to get used. They're all over the world, and especially here in the United States, here in Utah, we have a number of them being built right now. And so there's this emphasis, you've got to do this. But I find it fascinating that he said the uh, citation before, salvation is an individual matter, but exaltation is a family matter. No one can be exalted alone. This is a very important teaching, of course, in the LDS Church. But notice also there's a word that when you read it, you kind of just went right over it, and I'm sure many Latter-day Saints probably go right over it, but it's a word that needs to come to the forefront. He says in there, they will later be joined by their children and their covenant-keeping posterity to experience the fullness of joy that God has in store for his faithful children. Now, faithful is the word I'm thinking of, but I could also go back to the phrase covenant-keeping, the covenant-keeping posterity. You don't just join together as a family unit in Mormonism because you were sealed in a temple ceremony. I remember having that discussion down in St. George not too terribly long ago. You and I were there prior to the dedication of the St. George Temple that had been remodeled. And I remember talking to this gentleman who was so happy to tell me about how he and his sons were all sealed together in this St. George Temple. But then later on in the conversation, he admitted to me that his sons were no longer practicing Latter-day Saints. What a coincidence, because we were there probably a decade ago, and we were talking to an elderly lady who said the very same thing. She looked forward to being with her children forever, and then she said, but one of my children is a black sheep. And so that's the phrase she used. That's the phrase she did use. And and so it was like, okay, so when is this going to happen? Well, I have confidence that God will not let this person die until he comes back to the true faith. And so this idea of covenant keeping because you have to keep the covenants. You can't just go on the coattails of your 
predecessors, your your parents can't do the work for you. You have to do it yourself. How many families have everybody in their family doing everything they're supposed to do? Well, that's a good point. And what if you have a family, for instance, that's done everything on the outside that they are expected to do, but on the inside, they're still not believing a lot of this stuff. And they're probably not doing everything on the outside that they're supposed to be doing. So you have to be a covenant keeper. You have to be on the covenant path. We hear that phrase used over and over again. If you're not on the covenant path, that sealing exercise that's performed in a Mormon temple really means absolutely nothing. But what this reminds me of is the video clip that you often have to watch before you go through an open house at an LDS temple. And it happens to be this very same individual, Jeffrey Holland, who is talking about how heaven would not be heaven without his wife and kids. What did he say? And if you're an evangelical Christian, see if you would agree with what he says. I don't know how to speak about heaven in the traditional, lovely, paradisical beauty that we speak of heaven. I wouldn't know how to speak of heaven without my wife or my children. It would not be, it would not be heaven for me. And he repeated it. He said, it would not be, it would not be heaven for me. I can't imagine any evangelical saying a statement like that. No. And I've often said, and I've said it on this show too, that when I first saw that video, I was in Rexburg, Idaho. That's when I remember seeing it for the first time before going through the Rexburg, Idaho temple, watching Jeffrey Holland say that on the video. And if somebody was looking at me, I would not be shocked if my mouth was hanging open because I could not believe the blasphemous statement I just heard from this individual. In other words, his whole idea of heaven revolves around another human being. That is not what we as Christians think about. We think of heaven as revolving around the person of Jesus Christ, the one who paid it all on our behalf. When we believe in the family of God, anybody who's a true believer, and we want our children to be believers. We want our relatives and our friends to be believers that we'll all be together around God's heavenly throne. But The idea in Mormonism that heaven would not be heaven without my wife, and especially without my children, when nobody's doing what they're supposed to do, how is anybody going to be in your kingdom? You might be the only one if somehow you were able to qualify Mr. Holland. How does he know his wife's going to be there? How does he know his children? He just has to assume that they're good enough to be able to be with him. And you know, Eric, for us living here in the Salt Lake City area, We come across a lot of stories about a lot of these leaders in the church who have family members who don't believe it at all. No. What do they do? Now, what about Jeffrey Holland? I don't know what his family situation is, but somewhere in that chain, I'm sure he probably has unbelieving grandchildren, perhaps. I don't know. I can't prove this, but I'm sure that there are many cases of leaders or even LDS apologists who defend this who don't have family members that are in line in order to be considered a covenant keeper and are not faithful children. They will not be with those parents and that family in the hereafter. That is gone. If that's your happiness, boy, that's a sad commentary. But think about it. When Nelson says that Patricia Holland's most important date was June 7, 1963, I cannot imagine 
any evangelical Christian being asked, what was the most important date in your life? Most people, at least ones that I've talked to, the date that they always want to remember is the date they put their trust in Christ. Now, not all of us can remember the exact date or time, but certainly that point in our life is probably one of the most important, if not the most important, date in our lives. I mean, for me, uh, January 15th, 1972, I'm watching television with my parents and we're watching Billy Graham. I believe he was at Yankee Stadium and he gave the gospel message and then he invited people to come forward. I had gone to a church that did not talk about a born again experience. I asked my parents, what are they doing? And they said, well, they're inviting Jesus into their lives. And I said, have I done that? And they said, we don't know. So I prayed right there. I I prayed that the, I would receive the Lord, and I wanted to follow him all the rest of my days. And that's my turning point. I think all every Christian, they might not be able to point to the exact moment of their turning point, but I think that would be considered the most important date of our lives. And I think this is what shows how Mormonism is not even in the same line as Christianity. So far, look at how many differences we have seen in just what we've covered in Oak's talk, and we're not even finished with it yet. But notice how many times he has to use the phrase modern revelation or unique teaching. This is not Christianity, folks. This is not Christianity. This is why it's important to know what the New Testament has to say about these issues. Otherwise, you can be caught up with the errors, such as those errors that Dallin Oaks was teaching in this talk. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.